Welcome, everybody, to another episode of The Take Podcast. I am Jackson Burleson, your host, and today we're going to be talking about Game 5 of the Celtics and Warriors. Um, Game 5 went down last night in San Francisco at the Chase Center, and unfortunately the Warriors won. I really wanted the Celtics to win this game, but there are a lot of reasons why the Celtics lost this game, and... The main reason for me that I really want to touch on is how are you missing 10 free throws? Explain that. You've got to make your free throws. Those are easy points. Easy points. Like, no one's in front of you. You've got no hands in your face. You should be making free throws any day of the week. Any day. But you can't make free throws? I mean, come on now. Like... Jason Tatum, I mean, he was sensational last night. Jalen Brown needs to play a little bit better next game if they really want to keep this series alive because he was 0 for 6 from 3, which is unacceptable. And he was kind of driving to the basket, kind of soft, turning the ball over. And another thing the Celtics did that really cost them the game was turn over the ball 18 times compared to Golden State 7. 11 more turnovers than the Warriors had, which cannot happen, especially in the NBA Finals. I really thought the Celtics were getting over, you know, being careless with the basketball and, you know, just not making the right plays because in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Heat, they were turning over the ball constantly. But Game 5 showed that they haven't learned at all from that Heat series, and they turned the ball over so much. And the fact that they turned the ball over 18 times, missed 10 free throws, and only lost by 10. Like, literally, if they would have just made all their free throws, it would have been a tie game, and they would have been in overtime. Or if they didn't turn over the ball, they probably would have had more possessions on offense. I mean, what is going on? Like, why can't the Celtics just put more than one game together? I mean, I, I swear, it's been like this all postseason. The Celtics win a game, lose a game, win a game, lose a game. Now they have to win two games in a row if they really want to win an NBA championship. They're going to have to win two games in a row. And if they can't do that, their season's over. And I don't know when the Celtics are going to get back to the NBA Finals. Appearances to the NBA Finals don't come often. Now the Warriors are a very rare exception because they're just a dynasty. I mean, they got Steph Curry, who's an all-time great. They got Klay Thompson, who's one of the best shooters of all time. And then Draymond Green. But Draymond Green has been averaging five points per game. Five points per game in this series. And he averages 35 minutes per game. Draymond has done nothing this series. The most points he has scored in a game this series is seven. Seven whopping points. Let's give a congratulations to Draymond Green. Wow. What an accomplishment. I mean, what an accomplishment by Draymond Green. He's the king of the triple singles. I mean, like, man, Draymond Green is the most over- rated the basketball player in the entire NBA. I mean that. He keeps saying in the past, oh, 
I'm the greatest defender to ever play the game. Ooh, I am one of the best passers of all time. Ooh, I'm this. Ooh, I'm that. The king of trash talking. I'm going to get a bucket on you. Yada, yada, yada. Draymond, get out of here. You talk so much smack and you can't even back it up. Seriously. Draymond Green, first of all, is a 6-6 center. You're 6-6. You should be playing guard or forward. That shows how unskilled of a player you are. You are 6-6 and have to play center. Congratulations. A 6-6 center can bring the ball up the floor. Such a versatile threat. Draymond Green is not a versatile threat at all. He can't even make a layup, let alone a three-pointer. Every three-pointer he takes, he airballs. I swear, like, literally, he, he has a wide-open three at the top of the key. Hits the side of the backboard. Airball. I mean, what, what? Like, how are you an NBA player and call yourself one of the greatest defensive players of all time? And I've seen Draymond play well. I'm not saying Draymond's a bad player. It's just, as of right now, he's just been doing nothing, basically. Like, I don't even know how he's still starting in the Golden State lineup. Like, how is Steve Kerr still have him in the lineup against the Celtics team? And one problem in this series that I thought the Warriors were going to have more trouble with was playing small ball against the Celtics because the Celtics are big and long. I mean, they got Robert Williams down low, who is an amazing shot blocker, gets a lot of rebounds, is a very, very, very great defensive player. And I love watching Robert Williams. And, you know, he'll get you, you know, eight points, 15 rebounds, and about four or five block shots, which is a very, very big contribution because a lot of guys can't get five black shots, let alone 13 rebounds. It doesn't matter how many points he scores. He is an impact on the defensive end at all times. And then you got Al Horford, who is a veteran in this league, has been in this league a long time, knows how to play the game at a very high level, can shoot the three ball at very consistent level, and he's a great defensive player and just does what he needs to do to help the team win. And that's a guy that wants to win a championship. And then they got Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, who are both very long, great defensive players. Tatum can take a game over whenever he wants to. So can Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown, in my opinion, I, I, in my opinion, I think Jalen Brown is a better player, even though they label Tatum as a superstar. I think Jalen Brown is ready to be in that superstar conversation as well. Just the way he drives to the basket, just the way he's so aggressive at all times, offensively and defensively, and, you know, the leadership he carries. But speaking of leadership, a guy on the Celtics that needs to step up is Marcus Smart. Now, Marcus Smart is more of a defender, not a scorer, but he needs to kind of stop complaining to the officials. Look, I get it. I'm on Marcus Smart's side when it comes to the officiating in Game 5 because the refs were terrible. They called two fouls on Marcus Smart that were just absolutely horrendous. First of all, the technical foul where he didn't even touch Jordan Poole was 
was BS. That was not a foul. He didn't even touch him. Didn't even touch him. Didn't even do anything. Like, he's just playing good defense. And he the ref calls a T on him. I don't know if he said anything, but he made no physical contact with Jordan Poole at all. And then second of all, the f- foul on the inbound play where Poole was guarding Smart, Smart kind of like, you know, puts it like sways his arm near him, doesn't even touch his face, mind you, doesn't even touch Jordan Poole's face. And they call an offensive foul on Marcus Smart because Jordan Poole flops. First of all, Jordan Poole should be getting, he should be getting fined for that. I mean, if you're really going to implement the flop rule and not allow players to flop anymore and like penalize them, you should be penalizing that because you can review these flops. You can look at them and say, hey, is this a flop? Is this a actual foul or did he hit him or, you know, what really went on in the, in the, in the call? And, you know, Jordan Poole should be fined. He really should because Marcus Smart did not foul him on both of those times. Both of those times he didn't even touch him. He didn't even touch him. And that changed the momentum of the game, honestly. It really did because the Celtics had a chance to crawl their way back into it with about seven minutes left, or was it five minutes left? Down seven points. But since you took away a possession, Jordan Poole comes down, hits a three, puts him up 11. I mean, now it's a double-digit game, and the Celtics have no chance to get back into it, which is very upsetting to me as a fan because you want to see the most competitive game possible, and I feel like the refs just kind of handed the Warriors that game. And first of all, if you tell me before game five even started that Steph Curry was going to go 0 for 9 from 3 and the Warriors were going to win by 10 points, I would have been like, you're crazy. You're absolutely crazy. Like, what planet are you living on right now? Because Steph Curry was not making any shots anywhere. He was like 7 of 23 from the field, 0 for 9 from 3, probably the worst shooting performance I've ever seen in his entire career. And they win by 10 points? Really? But give credit to Wiggins, though. He was balling out last night. He had 26 points, like what, 13, 14 rebounds? I mean, he was playing unbelievable, and he was playing great on defense. Honestly, like what a piece Andrew Wiggins has been. Like what a piece. Like that was a great trade looking back on the D'Angelo Russell and Andrew Andrew Wiggins trade. That was a fantastic trade. That really was. Like you really look back on it. And like at first when I saw that trade, I was like, eh, I don't know how Andrew Wiggins is going to play because he's not really a shooter. But then he comes in, brings a lot of defensive presence. You know, he's long, athletic, can score the basketball. You know, he can shoot when he needs to. He can do a lot of different things. But his defensive presence has been the the presence that stood out out of anything in this game. Like, he can shoot, he can score, he can do everything. He's athletic, but his defense, man, I'm telling you, he is... Looking back on this series, if the Warriors win the championship this year, everyone's going to be saying Andrew Wiggins was 
one of the most important pieces on that championship team if the Warriors win this series. Because he has been. I mean, throughout the entire playoffs, Wiggins has really made plays to really they'll alter the outcome of certain games like against the Grizzlies. He did a great job on, you know, guys like Desmond Bain and uh, Dylan Brooks. I mean, he played great defense on guys like that. And then he played great defense on guys like Luca. Um, I mean, he's just really showing what he can do. And, you know, he fit in so much better than I thought he would on this Warriors team. And, you know, both sides of the Minnesota and Golden State trade benefited. Like, I mean, DeAndre Russell's playing great in Minnesota. He's been a great fit alongside Anthony Edwards and Carlton Towns. And, you know, Andrew Wiggins has been fantastic next to Draymond, Clay, and Steph. And Jordan Poole, man, even though I don't really like him flopping, what a great player he's really turned into. I mean, he can do it all. He's a dynamic scorer. He can handle the basketball. He can drive to the basket. He can shoot at an elite level. He's quick. I mean, he can just do a lot of things. And, you know, Steph Curry's really passing the torch to Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole is the future of the Golden State Warriors. And Jordan Poole is really showing that he could be that next franchise piece. And not to mention the Warriors not only have Jordan Poole, who, by the way, could have won most improved player this year, got some votes for it, and was the third leading scorer in the Warriors this season. But they don't even have their star center, James Wiseman, who's been out all season with an injury. He's a great player. He can spread the floor. He can shoot. He can put the ball down on the floor. He can run the floor and transition. Um, I mean, he's just not your typical big man. I mean, he's he's very versatile. He can do a lot of different things. And I'm very curious to see next season how James Wiseman fits in with this Warriors team because James Wiseman could make such a big impact. I would really have liked to see James Wiseman play this year, but he just couldn't get healthy enough. So I don't blame them for keeping him out because, I mean, he's a very important piece for the future. There's no need to get him injured and, you know, play him when he's hurt. So I understand the move by Steve Kerr, who Steve Kerr has been a fabulous coach, by the way. And I, I will never forget this. Steve Kerr in an interview said, you know, if it wasn't for Steph, this organization wouldn't be where it's at. And that's very true. Steph Curry is a very special player. And he said he's a very special person. You know, he's a great leader. He's always trying to get guys involved. You know, he doesn't let the whole team down when he's not shooting well. He's always trying to make the right play. You know, Curry's Curry's a great player and he's an all-time great. I mean, showing I mean, he can score 43 points whenever he wants to, but I mean, when he doesn't have a great shooting night, his team still wins and he gets a pass for that. And most players in this league, most superstars in this league, if they have an off night like that, their team doesn't win about 80 percent of the time like really like it's honestly impressive to see what Steph Curry is doing and he's going for his fourth championship they're one win away from getting his fourth championship building a dynasty it's truly incredible to see you know Clay Thompson getting injured Kevin Durant leaving in the same year not having Clay for two seasons 
And the year Clay Thompson comes back, back in the finals. And the trio of Draymond Green, Steph Curry, and Clay Thompson have had 20 wins together in the NBA Finals, which is the most out of any trio in NBA history. In Game 5, they just passed uh, t- the great teams of Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, and Manu Ginobili, those Spurs teams who won five championships. I mean, truly an all-time great team. The Warriors have been putting on the map because they know how to win. They got guys. They changed the culture. I mean, in 2015, they were not a winning team whatsoever. They were not a winning organization. They really had a winning drought for a long period of time. And they really figured it out because ownership and the new coaching, you know, moving away from Mark Jackson, Mark Jackson, which was a which was a tough decision at the time for the Warriors organization because he was a great coach. I mean, he led him to the playoffs consecutive years, but they were getting bounced out of the first and second rounds and they wanted to, you know, win a championship. So Steve Kerr came in, has done a phenomenal job of just, you know, letting Curry and Thompson just kind of let loose, do their thing, shoot the threes. And, you know, they're done, they've done a great job with that. And the Warriors ownership is very much responsible for that because they wanted to win. They were tired of losing. They were tired of not making it to the finals. And ever since then, they've made it to the finals almost every single year except the last two years before this year. And I can't say enough about the Golden State Warriors. As much as I don't like them, sometimes they're truly a great organization that really knows how to play the game the right way and knows how to win. And, you know, the Celtics are trying to get that another banner up, the 19th banner. Is it 18th or 19th? I'm not 100% sure. But they're trying to get another banner up with the numerous amount of banners they have up in TD Garden. And I expect the Celtics to win game six. I expect them to win game six because they're not going to want this series to end in Boston. No, 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 no. They're more prideful than that. They can't lose. And from a pattern standpoint, win, lose, win, lose, coming off losses, the Celtics are 7-0 and in the postseason coming, coming off a loss, which is weird to me. They can't come up with consistent games in a row where they can just win. But if that's the way they need to win a championship, so be it. But they can't do that because they got to win in Boston and they got to win in Golden State, which is going to be tough to do. But they can do it. They really can. I mean, their coaching is great. I mean, they have the players. They're bigger than Golden State. They need to out-rebound them. For the Celtics to win in game six, they need to not turn over the basketball, make their free throws. Simple as that. The Celtics shot 34% from three in game five, which was 12% better than Golden State last game. Golden State shot 22% from three. And seriously, if you tell me Golden State's going to shoot 22% from three and Steph Curry's going to shoot 0 for 9 and they win, I would be like, what? I can't believe they won. Looking at those stats, I mean, you would just think the Warriors lost. But seven turnovers compared to 18 that's big time Celtics got to take care of the basketball seriously I know I've been reiterating this a lot and I've been saying this but that is very important that is very important because the Celtics need all the possessions they can get 
And Celtics need to win game six. It's a must win. It's a must win. We all know that. If they lose, the Warriors are going to be celebrating in Boston, and I know they're not going to like that. So the I expect the Celtics to come with everything they have in game six. And, yeah, that's going to go ahead and do it for today's episode of the Take Podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, let me know what you guys think. And uh, also, uh, go check out my last episode with uh, Cathedral Basketball Coach uh, Jason Delaney. You do not want to miss that great interview. Uh, what a great conversation uh, with such a great coach uh, in Indiana bas- basketball history. And um, this is Jackson Burleson signing off. Thank you guys for tuning in.